0: Welcome to another episode of fight the burnout Uh, again brought to you by create from why we have a special guest and uh, veteran uh, Michael Parker Uh, and as I said brought to you by create from why where we take and we help you break through your barriers and never burn out again. So if you want to know more about that, just email us at team at createfromwhy.com or go to uh, www.createfromy.com and book yourself in a time so you can talk with me specifically and uh, we'll talk about where you're at, what's going on, and where you want to get to uh, and bring some excitement and joy back into that life so michael uh welcome uh we know each other from another kind of group peer support thing that we're part of which is amazing it's called power of your story if you are a first responder and you are kind of going through some stuff again send us an email get, we'll get you in touch with the right people for that uh now i know today is not a police uh or nurse or emt it's military which is amazing i haven't interviewed somebody from the military in a little while which i'm excited about my cousin's ex-military. I have a ton of respect for you guys. Uh, so, Michael, why don't you, without further ado, tell us a little bit about your experience with military. I know you've got some PTSD stuff that, you, that, you, that you've that you dealt with and you're working through, and I know what you're doing now all correlates with all that. So, tell us a little bit about where you're from and, and your, your journey.
1: Yeah, man, well, again, it's a pleasure to be on here. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, so, I was born in Arkansas. Uh, My dad is career Army. He's still actually serving. So I grew up all over the world. Uh, I guess at the age of three, I decided I was going to be a Marine, and that just never changed. And as hard as my parents tried, they just could not never talk me out of it. So at a certain point, they just kind of accepted that that's what I was going to be one day. Uh, (laughs) So after I graduated, I joined the Marine Corps. Um obviously I, I had a lot of childhood trauma. We don't talk about all that right now, but you know, uh that that played into things that um uh, ended up getting falsely accused of sexual assault, uh, found myself sitting in the brig for nine months awaiting trial. Um uh, the charges got dropped and still found myself kicked out of the Marine Corps. Uh, which kind of left me in a bad place. You know, That's spent your whole life planning for that. You plan to serve 20 years, and two and a half years and it's over. Uh, no real plans for the future. Uh, also, almost a month after I got out of the brig, while I was still waiting to process out, I found myself sexually assaulted. Uh, so I had that to the stress and trauma from being in the brig Um, got discharged in December of 2014 Um, went back home didn't address anything just kind of dealt dealt with it how I knew to deal with it which was alcohol (laughs) Uh, continued uh, continuous bad decisions from there Uh, found myself you know, in a really bad place. Um, also, shortly after I got out, my unit went on deployment that I was supposed to go on with them before I got in trouble. We lost a couple Marines. So there was some guilt and shame there as well. Um, so I was in a really, really bad place. Uh, you know, they teach you the signs of PTSD and everything. I just ignored them. I was like, well, there's no way I can't have PTSD. know, I've never been to combat. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, also, I guess I kind of was just like, if I ignore it, it'll go away. Not true. Not a good way to deal with it. Uh, until finally, I just like had a, had a moment and I, I broke down. Um, ended up stabbing myself in rage four times in the chest with a knife. Uh, that's when I was admitted into the hospital, put on a 72-hour hold um, diagnosed with PTSD, depression, anxiety, um, all that, that stuff. Um, of course put on medication. A lot of it didn't work. Not saying medication's bad. It just didn't work for me. Uh, so I really struggled. I had three more suicide attempts. Um, the last one ended me up in trouble with the law, which mm-hmm ended up kind of being my saving grace. Um, they got called to intervene and things got out of hand. Um, so I found myself in jail again, uh, for 60 days. And, uh, that's kind of where I started turning myself around a little bit, at least orientating towards the right direction. Um, I moved out to Hawaii after that and, kind of started over, quit taking medication. Um, I, I ran out like three weeks into being in Hawaii and I was like, "Wow, I never liked taking it. So I'm not going to go to a doctor and get more. Um, so I started finding other ways to help myself. Um, started hiking, started kayaking, started working on a ranch. And I started working around horses. I found a lot of healing in that. So I was able to find my healing through outdoors and natural ways of healing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot more to it. I won't dive in super deep right now. I'm sure you'll have some questions, but ultimately, you know, I, that's kind of where I discovered my purpose and what I'm, I was supposed to be doing. Um, you know, I, I realized if those kind of things helped me, you know, how many other people could they help? Obviously, I didn't know much about recreational therapy or equine therapy or any of that stuff at that point. I just kind of happened to stumble upon them. Um, then in 2019, I found myself homeless and unemployed. when I got let go from the ranch that I was working at. I also lived on the ranch. So just like that, when they let me go, I lost my job and my place to live so ended up homeless for about nine months um not as bad as it sounds when you're in hawaii you know oh. the picture picture my scenery I, I i had a hammock slung up between two trees on the beach listening to the ocean and waking up to the sunrise every morning
0: it's, those, be worst worse. Place, those worst uh, places to be homeless
1: <laughs> yeah so it, it wasn't that bad um now, three of those months were because I was homeless and unemployed, um, but I, it was in that homeless and unemployed time that I started working on trying to, to start my business and uh, create this ranch to help veterans. At that point, it was just veterans. Um, then after I got a job, I continued to live homeless so I could take the money that I was making and put it into getting it going. And then obviously COVID happened, so I was forced to move back to back home. So moved back to Arkansas, and you know, kind of kept working on it from there. And well, December of 2021, I moved down to the Houston area uh, to continue growing that. But. I'll I'll uh, I'll stop there and let you. uh, I'm sure
0: you got some. (laughs) Grow 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 on the ranch that you that you kind of run now for uh, for rehabilitation. I'm gonna just I'm gonna go jump in there and and fill in that gap that you stopped there, and we're gonna talk a bit more about that because I love the fact of it. We I'm looking at running some retreats for motorcycle riding because that was my thing. So, but let's jump into a few things that you kind of said. I'm gonna go kind of back, and then we'll kind of work through the time the timeline. Wanted to be a marine since three years old obviously very huge family military side of stuff i know i don't have any family that's military or law enforcement but i know i've worked with a lot of law enforcement people or people that want to and they've got family that are law enforcement and there's as you even admitted childhood trauma is it from your dad being military you think or from the work that you've done or is it just other stuff
1: uh there's a lot of aspects to it yeah obviously my. My dad's got his own trauma that exactly. uh, secondhand trauma is a real thing, as I've learned here in, in my journey to help others. Uh, also, uh, my dad's not my biological father. My biological yeah. father signed over his rights to me and my dad did a good job raising me, but uh, there's still that... Uh, trauma and hurt from not having my biological father in my life. Yeah. Uh, which it wasn't until maybe two years ago that I even realized how much of my behaviors and stuff were attributed to that. Um, and then you know, trauma growing with from my dad and yeah, so you know, I had depression when I was a teen, ADD. Um all kinds of stuff. Uh, that all just played into that. Uh, so depression and me aren't we're, we're good friends. We've been friends you're for a while. Not time. shy
0: not shy uh, to each other.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> no, that, that's 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 awesome. all so so you're you're you know, you obviously you know, you said from three years old you wanted to be a Marine. You you went through all the process and I know I've know a few Marines. Um my cousin was army, uh so not the same uh, and you guys kind of always butt heads i have from from what i hear um but we'll always have each other's back uh just to kind of put that in there but i also know like how hard it was for me to join the join law enforcement so i know there's a there's a massive aspect and it takes so much blood sweat tears everything to kind of get into it and then two and a half years in had you done a deployment or anything or was it just all training and and, and stateside at that point
1: no uh we kept working up for deployment and kept getting pushed back, pushed back. And then I found myself in trouble. And then they finally got cut orders. So they deployed shortly after I got out. So yeah, never got to go on deployment, which yeah. is part of the reason I went enlisted and not officer. Cause I was like, well, Afghanistan, that was back in 2012, you know, and we were pulling out of Afghanistan. Obviously we stayed there until 2020. Uh, so I was like, well, I'm I'm going to go in because I want to I go to Afghanistan. I mean, I guess when you grow up around the war, seeing your friends, families, family members going off to fight war and all that, it's a big part of your life. And I remember vividly, you know, the day of 9-11. So it had a huge impact on me. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I, I want to go over there and I want to, I want to fight before it's over, so that, that motivated me to go enlisted instead of going to college. Uh, never got a deploy, so I was like, "Well, maybe I should have gone to college." But
0: <laughs> hey, hey, it, you you got a whole bunch of experiences from that, and so so obviously the sexual assault happened, uh, and we won't go. We don't need to go into huge details about that. But how did that? How did you find that? Um, started. You know, did that, did you find that that started you to, you know, what did you start to feel when it came to, you know, that happened? You knew it wasn't true. Obviously it's been, it was proven that it wasn't true, but you've been blamed for this. How did you feel when that kind of all happened? Um, a lot of things,
1: uh, some anger, uh, resentment, uh, mostly betrayal though. Mm. Um, you know you're you're taught that like your command is supposed to they they're supposed to be like your parents right like they're supposed to protect you and watch out for you and they just kind of turned their back on me and um, I'm not even guilty like like I'm just awaiting trial and they um, treat me like I was guilty it was more like guilty until proven innocent um, like they did a lot of mess up things you know like they told everybody i wasn't allowed to have visitors so i never the only visitor i got the whole time i was in the brig with my mom the two times she flew out to see me um none of my buddies came to see me so i had this impression that everybody hated me everybody felt the know. same way that my command reflected that i was a piece of shit and some terrible person um you know when they would come for their weekly command visits there was only one uh, staff sergeant that would treat me like I was a normal person. Uh, And I liked it when he came because he would sit there and he'd have a conversation with me. Like I was a real person. Um, Everybody else was like, what do you need? Okay.
0: Bye. And like, they were like, taking a ball. Yeah.
1: it it, it, it stung a lot.
0: Mm, Yeah. No, I, yeah. They
1: just threw me to the wolves, man. Yeah. And, um, Honestly, it wasn't until I started going to the power of our story with Sarah and them, and I opened up one time about it, that I even made the connection that that was traumatic for me. Yeah. You know, I I never looked at it that way. And then, as soon as somebody said, "Wow, that must have been traumatic," and I was like, "Oh shit, maybe, yeah, maybe there is trauma there."
0: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you look you look at it. Your dad gave up his rights for you when you're a kid, and then you always wanted to be a marine. And then once you're a Marine, the thing that you're like, this is what I'm going to do forever, as soon as something happens, again, everybody's like, bye, see you, Mike. (laughs) You know, and yeah, no, that, that, all right, yeah. So as I know, PTSD and burnout, and we talked about this before we started recording, have a huge correlation with each other. And one can cause the other and becomes what I call like a vicious cycle. It's like you're on this hamster wheel and they're both empowering each other. How do you feel that, that, that there fed into the things that came next, the suicide attempts and the, you know, um, because there's a lot of people out there that, how it, that have that happen and go, well, thank God I didn't have anything. And they, they carry on. And you know, what do you feel caused you to go down the road that you did? Yeah, definitely burnout.
1: Like, um, uh, it's a real thing. Uh, you know, it's, I've experienced a couple different kinds of burnout. That kind of burnout was like this burnout and a will to, to live and a will to fight. I mean, like, did I ever really want to not be here? No, I was just tired of fighting. I was just so, you know, cause you're just like constantly fighting. Like I want to be better. I don't like being this way. Um, but it's just like, it's hard. Like, if you've ever battled PTSD and all that, like the, at the beginning, it's, it's really hard. And especially when you don't have a good support system around you, like uh, people that don't understand, or uh, my ex-wife, she was good at poking the bear and making shit work instead of trying to make things better. Yeah. And all of that adds up. And you're just like, I, I just like every, I, every time that I, attempted suicide it wasn't because i didn't want to be here anymore i was just tired of fighting
0: yeah
1: i was burnt out yeah Uh, um but there was always that voice that said keep fighting keep going which i i knew was right and i wanted to listen to it but i was just like i'm so fucking sick and tired of fighting that
0: like i don't want to do this anymore yeah it gets it gets tiring fighting i know. Yeah. it's it's those things and then you know having military been in a military family and then i mean marines is you're the last you're the first one in the last one out um so it's 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 yeah it was it's that it's that fight how did you find that by giving up on the fight it actually caused you to burn out even more
1: yeah i mean it just kind of became like you like a vicious cycle or tell spin, as i say you know you're like trying to go up. You want to be out of it, but you're just, I think when you're burned out, it's kind of like your tires are spinning, but you're not getting anywhere, right? Like, mm-hmm. the. I didn't have the support. I didn't have the resources. Um, obviously, I didn't have, like, a VA. I, had to, I figured I had to figure shit out on my own. And um, that we're not supposed to fight alone, right? Like, And that, that was the hardest part um if it wasn't for my if it wasn't for me going to jail and for my my friend offering me the opportunity to come stay with her in Hawaii and kind of start over and remove myself from that situation who knows what would have happened right um maybe I tried a fifth time and was successful um or
0: well, that, that that I wanted to ask that as well what do you feel because I know we get to that point like mine was I almost cheated on my wife and I was like fuck there's something there's something wrong here not that I wanted to get help but I just went, okay, cool, I'm going to, I can't do this to her, so I'm going to get a divorce. And then I just, for some reason, there was something in me that listened to her and we went to counseling again and, and I started to get help. So I'm grateful that I almost cheated on my wife, even though it caused so much pain, but I'm grateful for it. Just like you're grateful for, you know, getting arrested that second time. What was it about getting arrested that made you, that, that, forced you or allowed you, not even forced you, but allowed you to be open to accepting the help from your friend in Hawaii?
1: Um, well, I mean, so at that same time that I'm dealing with all of that, I, I was in a very toxic marriage and um, she was cheating on me the whole time. She was... Um, very abusive, mentally, phys- uh, sometimes physically, verbally. Um, it was just, it was very toxic. And especially when you're, you know, in that early stages of being diagnosed with PTSD, like uh, you're trying to figure all that out. And then you've got all this going on. And it's not helping any at all. So it removed me from that situation. Um, ended up getting a divorce after, I put in the paperwork after I got out of, the, out, of the, out of jail and then moved off to Hawaii as far away from that toxic environment as I could. Uh, but I, I, I guess, you know, I realized, like, that was my fourth attempt. And obviously, it wasn't my time to go. And I, sitting in jail for 60 days gave me a lot of time to think about that. And um, realized that I needed to do something different. And, you know, my friend was there for me. She was the one that I would call late at night, like, in tears because of, like, how I was struggling with the PTSD and my wife and all of that. And so I moved as far away as I could. And, you know, just started again.
0: So what, what, what I'm hearing, and I just want to clarify this, uh, you know, for myself, but maybe even for listeners and viewers is what I'm hearing is that one, you had so much toxic stuff going on that wasn't just what was going on internally, but there was also external stuff. And so I really, a really, first off, you, you all of a sudden, you felt like you had no support anywhere. And all of a sudden you had massive support by this friend who lived in Hawaii. And so it was like, oh, oh my God, there's, I've got support here. Okay, cool i can you know you got time to reflect and with that support versus the first time where you didn't have any support when you got arrested and that you had no support there was nobody that cared about you nobody that was on you that was batting for your side besides maybe that staff sergeant a little bit but again there was still that kind of is he doing this because he has to or you know because there was all the other guys going on whereas this time it was like she she genuinely just cares about me there wasn't a Correct me if I'm wrong, but from what it sounds like there wasn't an emotion. There wasn't a uh, Wanting to be with this person, but it was a holy crap. I've got some support here and it's genuine support I've got genuine support from somebody who actually cares about me I feel cared about gave you time to think about it reflect on it You made some changes in your life and then you went fuck this I'm getting out of here I need to escape as well. So I'm gonna go escape to that so I'm in that area of support which obviously you're still here with us. You have done, you've done so much amazing stuff, which we'll get into here shortly. And it changed it changed your life. It, it was am I correct with that, or did I? Say oh, in absolutely, wrong? yeah,
1: yeah. It was totally, you know, like I needed somebody there, and she was just there unconditionally and really helped save my life. Yes. So yeah, yeah. I mean, her and I have been friends. Um, for a long time, so we've been friends for six, seven years at that point, and uh, that's why you know I I trusted her and she was there and supported me and in a time that I really needed somebody to support me. So yeah,
0: you know, and I want to I want to bring awareness to that for listeners and viewers. You know, anybody who's kind of going through any kind of struggle or feeling like they're burning out, or maybe they're at that massive area, you know, that massive stage of PTSD or, um, in their relationship or whatever's going on and you're in that really, you know, you're burned out. You're like, this is just, I'm, I'm done with all of this. Lean on somebody, allow somebody to, you know, allow yourself to lean on someone that you feel that unconditional. And if you don't get it from one person, keep allowing people because it makes that huge difference as we just, you know, have seen from Michael's experience. Um, I want to jump over to Hawaii. I love Hawaii. I've been there, I think, like 15 times in the last like 10 years. Um, it's like my second home. I'm about to go there. At the time of this recording, I'm about to go there in like five days um, for a week, and then to California, and then back to Maui. So, absolutely love Hawaii, and I know it just calms the soul, doesn't it, Mike?
1: <laughs> oh, dude, it's it's a special place, yeah.
0: Yeah, it has some sort of, as The Rock called it, some sort of mana. There is some sort of just calmness to, to hawaii i think that's why we're you know a lot of people are drawn to there so you go to hawaii you're there you get on a ranch you start doing this outdoor stuff what what got you into doing the outdoor stuff
1: um i mean dude there's beautiful mountains and it's like it, there's so much outdoor activities to do you know like the beach i, I love it because like Drive down the road, you got the ocean on one side and mountains on the other. Like <laughs> what? the only place you can really go and see that. Like, like fifty feet away from you on the left is a mountain and fifty feet on the right is the ocean. Yeah. And uh you know, so I was like, Well, I don't try, you know, I'm gonna try out some of these hikes. So I would start hiking and I'd be like, dude, this is this is uh rejuvenating, you know? And then getting out there by myself and just surrounded by nature with those beautiful views, it's peaceful. Uh, getting out on a kayak on the open ocean, it beat the shit out of you, but it's fun and it's relaxing uh, when, once you get past the big waves, right? Um, and I just realized how, how peaceful and therapeutic it was, and I felt the way that it made me feel to be out there doing those things. And then when I started working on the ranch, I didn't even start in horseback, I started as a zipline uh, tour guide which was fine. It was great. Uh, but I always loved horses. So when I was given the opportunity to, to go over and learn mm. and transfer to that department, uh, I found that helps me deal a lot with the internal, uh, the emotions, my energy, how I interacted with other people just in how I had to interact with the horses. And I found a lot of healing through that because horses reflect, and respond to the energy that you put off and you know it had had me you know i'd get angry with them and then of course they only get act oh worse right and then <laughs> you gotta like take a, take, take a deep breath and calm yourself and i found the to have really bad road rage <laughs> and i found working around horses after a few months somebody cut me off in traffic i'm like Oh, okay that's what we're doing all right you know i just like not bad about it like, whatever yeah. no harm no foul yeah uh, and it just started having a positive impact on how I, my relationships went and i guess that's where i i call it my light bulb moment because yeah. i was out on the trail one day giving a tour and we're just going along and all of a sudden like this light bulb goes off above my head it's like, dude, like, if this stuff helps you, like, how many other people can this help? And that's when I, you know, realized, like, hey, that's what I was supposed to be doing.
0: No, I love that. It's so true. Animals are one of those things. Like, I've got two dogs, and my wife. When <laughs> I left, we had one dog. We had our oldest, and he was there for her, like the whole thing. And she goes, "He, he saved her life while I was away." While I was off I did a motorcycle trip and I had that light bulb like for me it's motorcycles it's like that calm that just you and the road the the scenery the nature all of that as well and it, it is it's that special thing and then it? it is that once you find that thing that's for you that, that it just excites you and calms you at the same time um, there's just there's so much power in that um, No, that that that's awesome what what island were you on
1: uh, I was on a walk
0: Wahoo, what's your favorite hike?
1: Um, So, actually, my favorite hike is... I mean, I love Crouching Lion. Yeah. Uh, one of the best places to go watch the sunrise from. Uh, but I had a hike that I loved to do. Um, it was back in the Kahana Valley. And there's a tall mountain back there. And um, you got to hike, like, two and a half miles just to get to the base of the mountain. And then it's like... a T- almost 2300 foot climb oh, Wow and you take you eight hours round trip if you're really pushing it maybe 10 uh, and I, I used to love going out there you know you're just out in the out in the valley by yourself and then you get up on top of the, this mountain it, it sucks climbing it it's real steep a lot of times muddy uh, but when you get up to the top like that that sense of accomplishment and then the views from up there like you can see, Pretty much the whole windward side of the island yeah. and uh, do, you think, do you
0: think that those hikes like that like that being your favorite hike there do you think that comes from obviously there's something within you if you're a marine uh, all that and i know for first responders we have this personality we have to that we never give up we never back down we keep fighting you know as you said you wanted to stop fighting and that's why you know and so we get to a point where it's like either we, we do all or nothing. It's like, I'm giving everything or fuck it. I'm done. Um, do you feel you do that same thing?
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, man, I remember one time I was doing that hike and I just like, it was, it was extremely kicking my ass that time. And it was like super muddy and probably a little too sketchy to be doing it. But I was like, <laughs> at like, like 1800 feet, still got like 400 feet to go. But that last bit's like all straight uphill and i remember i like stopped for a minute and put down my pack and i was i was contemplating turning back it's like i've been to the top before like what if i and i was like yeah. no nah, you gotta like we gotta finish this out uh, but i uh i remember when i i like looked back and i saw like how far i come it was like i had like in this like epiphany you know i was like dude this is like like life right like sometimes you're in that valley And in that valley, it's, it's jungle. You can't see shit. It's dark. It's, it sucks. And then you start to climb and you can see how far you have come. And it's still, it's still hard. Like Mm -hmm. when you're on that, on that, that uphill climb, uh, but you're no longer in the valley, but you still got to keep working hard. And I just had that realization and I was like, you know, the journey sucks sometimes, but when you look back on it, it's, and you you see how far you've come it's such a beautiful sight
0: Mm, yeah i i love that analogy it's 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 so true was that hike that time when you kind of went through that was that while you were still working at the ranch or was that once you kind of had been let go and you were in that uh homeless stage no i was i was well
1: Actually, I think that time I was in that homeless stage. Yeah, I think I, mm-hmm. I would either, because I worked on two different ranches. And so I think it was after I left that second ranch. Um, and I was kind of in that in-between, in-between stage. And, I, you know, just. It's,
0: it's amazing because, you know, I'm a huge fitness guy. I do a whole ton of stuff. I've done lots of training, like lots of different things. And fitness gives you what you need in that time. Like it, it, it brings perspective, like those hard pushes bring perspective of whatever is going on in your life. And it's amazing to hear like, I, I kind of, I thought it might have been during that kind of homeless time when you were really going, okay, cool. What's next? Where am I going next? Um, because it, it just puts a reflection on us. And so that kind of brings me into that kind of time. First three months, you pretty much started figuring out what you were going to do. How are you going to, I take it, I'm going to kind of project some stuff out there, how you were going to kind of take the stuff that you've learned and and start to help other people with it because you recognize with the horses and and that on, on how that could do that. And then for six months, you stayed homeless and just saved all your money so you could do what you do now, which we'll talk about here in a second. What did you learn during that first three months? What was the biggest thing that you learned during that?
1: Uh... Patience. <laughs> uh was probably <laughs> one of the biggest things. Cause uh I mean I immediately went into like fight or flight mode, right? You're like, oh shit, like I've I'm, I've got a vehicle and that's about it. Like, and I was applying for jobs and probably applied for over a hundred jobs and wasn't even getting called back for an interview. And I'm like, dude, I'm well over qualified flip burgers at McDonald's. Like, what the hell? Uh, and I mean, it you know, it's just kind of one of those, those God things. Like I met a life coach and uh, I was, I was just trying to find a job, man. I wasn't looking to start this business. Like I was just like, dude, I just want to get a job so I can have some income. And uh, you know, I, I reached, I was like, maybe my resume sucks. Like, so I was just reaching out like trying to get a job. And he asked me that hard question. He's like, what do you want to do with your life? And, of course, I like started listing the jobs I'd apply for. You know, he's like, you missed the question. He's like, if you can be anywhere in five years, where would it be? And mind you, at this point, it's been two years since I had that light bulb moment. Yeah. And it had been my five-year plan for two years, and I just sat on it not doing anything. Yeah. And I said, well, if I could be anywhere, I'd be doing this. And um, he says, well, why don't you do that. I was like, well, I don't know anything about running a business. And I threw all these all excuses. these you know why it can'ts out there and uh he's like that's exactly he's like that's a bunch of bullshit excuses <laughs> and I, I was taken aback I was like what and uh he kind of got me in with this this uh program for veterans that you know for veterans that want to do more after leaving uh, the military and I went through this free 10-day course and I was like Oh, that wasn't that, that hard. And, you know, I talked to the guy that ran it uh, cause I completed it, found out like 40 veterans had started and only two of us had finished. And, you know, uh, kind of, kind of put it in, I was like, well, that was easy to me. Like I thought, uh, you know, it kind of put that in perspective. Then I went through a 12 week um, paid course. Uh, like, mind you, I was homeless. So I had to come up with the money. Ended up selling my TV and PlayStation. Cause I'm like, I'm homeless. I don't need a TV or a PlayStation. So I sold them, got the money on a jump into that real,
0: I want to jump into that real quick. That right there is that fight. That right there is the reason that you're still here and why you've done everything you have, because so many people use every excuse under the sun of why I can't do it. You started to figure out why can I do it? So I just wanted to praise you real quick for that, because that's just amazing. You sold your TV, sold your PlayStation, lived in a hammock and still did this course of, okay, I'm, uh, let's do this. All because of having one conversation with the guy that said, what do you want to do in five, where do you want to be in five years? So I love that. Carry on, Mike.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, there, there was more of that too, right? Like, I mean, I wasn't taking care of myself that well. Uh, and I was kind of, you know, I wanted to do more, but I was, I was still, I wasn't taking care of myself. Like you got to and- take care of yourself first. And you know, that was like one of the first lessons in that 12 like week thing, right? And uh freaking went and got myself a haircut, cleaned up, and I immediately started feeling better. And then, you know, uh three weeks into it, I got a job and you know, things started, you know, you, you start taking care of yourself and um uh, making those steps forward. Uh, I, I think it's like a mindset shift too. You know, like if you focus on the negatives, you're just going to see the negatives. You start looking at the positives, you're going to see more and more positives. And I would just, you know, start working through all that and ended up, you know, getting a job, getting back on my feet and progressing forward. But I mean, what if I didn't end up homeless? I would still probably just been working for whoever doing whatever and I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Um,
0: yeah. Everything happens for a reason, doesn't it? It all happens for us so that we can then evolve and, and go forward if you're looking for it. Uh, so you did the three months, then nine months you stayed homeless. Now this is going to get us into my number one favorite thing to ask is around your why, you know, what, what drives you in that. And I know you kind of, you kind of in touched on already around the, you found your purpose, uh, my belief from research and from lots of doing lots of coaching and talking with lots of people and interviewing lots of people is that, that, that why and purpose is actually already been planted the portal and the airplane or the vehicle to serve it, uh, is the thing that we are, are you know, that we, that we would kind of sometimes struggle to, um, locate. What would you say the why your why is that caused you to you know go for the military? Actually, not succeed, and you know the four attempts on your own life, the actually working through all this, the the being okay with being homeless, the jumping into the program, the what you do now with the the ranch that you run, uh, and you know staying homeless for nine months. It wasn't three weeks or nine weeks it was nine months you stayed homeless so you could save money so you can do what you do now what do you believe that why and purpose is you know that that mission statement is such as i call it that has got you to always fight
1: yeah um, you know i've always had this strong call and will to serve you know to help others um uh, which, you know, I guess is what led me to join the military because I wanted to serve and protect people. And um, even after, you know, I considered, I still wanted to serve, still wanted to help people. So I considered becoming like a paramedic. But then I was like, dude, I got enough trauma in my life. I probably shouldn't add more to it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there was always that passion and that need to serve. And, um, And when I realized it was helping other people like myself, like that, that was who I needed to be helping. And once, once I realized that, you know, um, who better to lead people through stuff than somebody that's been through it themselves. Um, I realized everything I went through allowed me to help others through it, um, because I've been there, you know, it's it's like going to a counselor or therapist. That's, I mean, I love nothing against them but if they you know they've not been where you've been they're not going to completely understand what you've been through mm-hmm. and now each one of us has a different story but when you've been down a similar path it allows you to connect and empathize with people a lot better than if you haven't been through anything and at the same time you know it, it gives back to me too mm-hmm. right like I that. uh Helping other people helps me. That's that's where I find the greatest joy and satisfaction is when I'm helping somebody else.
0: So how do you serve yourself without serving everybody else? Like you, you talked earlier Man. on about you talked earlier on about how you know you weren't looking after yourself and that. So how do you now uh, ser- make sure that you're serving yourself? 100 percent. where it has nothing to do with anybody else it has nothing to do with your business it has nothing to do with your relationship it has nothing to do with the people that you're helping it is just literally serving and helping yourself
1: well one boundaries you, you gotta establish boundaries and you gotta stick to them uh because people will push your boundaries things will push your boundaries if you don't hold hold true to them which you know comes with finding yourself, knowing yourself, knowing your limitations, knowing, uh, getting that deeper understanding of yourself. And, you know, there was a period, uh, early in, in 2019 where, you know, I spent nine months just probably about that whole time I was homeless. Like I was also working on myself and getting a better understanding of me, you know, learning my triggers, learning what bothered me, learning what helped me and um i i ultimately had to be because up to that point i wasn't happy with who i was Mm. and if i can't love and respect myself how can i expect other people to love and respect me Mm. so i i had to get that appreciation and love and accept myself and and not like when you hear people talk about self-love like in the in the vanity sense, no, it's like an actually like, hey, I I like this person. Like,
0: you look in the mirror and you go, you look and, in the mirror and go, that person's fucking cool. I like that person.
1: Yeah, he's cool. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I used to look at myself and be like, dude, I hate who that person is. You know, I did a did a lot of shit that I wasn't proud of and uh, been through things that made me question who I was. Right and it wasn't until I got that understanding of who I was and um, was able to say, you know what, I'm happy with who that person is, which, you know, it took work. It took a lot of time. Like it didn't just happen like, okay, I don't like this. Like, and it's changed. Like it takes time. And it took a lot, it took a long process. And I'm still working on it every day. Mm. Um, but that, that was the biggest thing. And then, like I said, with knowing yourself, um, like knowing my triggers, knowing what helped me with the PTSD or the depression or whatever, Um, I have like my go-to activities. Like if I'm starting to feel depressed, I go do this. And then depending on where I am on the scale of like depression or uh, anxiety or PTSD, like whatever it is, I have activities. I'm like, okay, so it's kind of like a chart. I'm like, okay, so I'm here. Uh, so that means I need to do this yeah. to get out of that. Uh, or, you know, so I, I, had to do all that. It took a lot of work. I put a lot of work into myself and now, uh, in order to, to help myself, I just, you know, if I'm starting to get anxious about stuff or, you know, like work's getting like, oh shit, I got a lot coming up for work. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go take a couple hours. I'm going to go disappear into the woods. I'm going to go for a hike. I'm just going to sit there and uh, enjoy nature for a little bit, which my my mind tells me is like the last thing I should be doing is like, no, you need to be working. I'm like, no, I need to get my head right so that I can do more work uh, effectively. So, you know, putting, putting yourself first, which as veterans and first responders, we don't really do. We don't put it. ourselves first. We're taught that to put other people first, put the mission first, and so it's it's hard. Like I said, I, I struggle with that. I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I need to be doing. I don't need to be taking care of myself when that's exactly what we need to do.
0: No, I lo- I love that. I love how you use an analogy with first responders and 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 military and that how you know the missions always comes first. But at the end of the day, if you're dead. The mission won't succeed. If you aren't fully sure. trained, if you haven't actually gone through the tactical, you know, the you, know, you think about Navy SEALs. Those, those, those idiots, uh, I wanted to be one at one time, so I'm going to call them those idiots because <laughs> it's just crazy what they do. They will literally, if they're going to go raid a compound, they'll get all the information about it and they'll literally set up a mock compound and go through it until literally they can do it with their eyes closed that's them preparing for themselves that's them looking after themselves so that when they go raid that compound it's actually not that hard to work so it's the same thing when you're going for a hike i love that that you you recognize that i believe that everybody has an you need to have a proper intent behind something so say for, you know so with that hike when you go fuck i need to go have that hike what is your intent that you put behind it Oh man. So yeah, I'll just go out and it's usually
1: like my brain won't shut off, right? Like I've got a lot on my mind. I'm overthinking. I'm like overstimulated. Um, Then it gets to where like, there's so much information flowing through that I can't compute it all. And so I go out there with the intent of just getting out there where it's quiet and just quieting my mind. And, you know, it's kind of hard to think about a whole lot of things when you're hiking along. Uh, you're just like, oh, shit, it's hot. It, I'm sweating my butt off. Like, it's just, you know, and then, you know, like, your mind just starts to quiet. So I, like, quiet my mind. I'll go find a spot. I'll go sit. Um, I'll go sit on the creek and just listen to the water flow and then just allow my mind to clear. Uh, let all those thoughts kind of just leave my mind and let me get that, uh, recenter and focused. Yeah. No, I love that. And then go ahead. Yeah. And then, you know, just that allows me that space to kind of reprioritize, you know, like, okay, well, what's my next steps forward. What's my, my next action versus all that information flooding in and like trying to do 10 things at once. Like, okay, so, all right. Well, we'll do this first, get that out of the way, you know, and I can have that calm to reprioritize and uh, attack things one bite at a time instead of trying to eat the whole elephant.
0: Yeah, no, I like that. So it's all about looking after you completely for you, not so that you're better at work, not so you're better at anything else. It's actually so that you are just you and then you can actually then uh, apply it, but it has nothing to do with. I'm going to go out in the woods so that I'm calm so that then I can actually work more. It's I'm going to go out in the woods so that I'm calm and peaceful so that my mind isn't going crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I use the example of work, but also like if I'm going through things like just going out there, it allows me that, that, uh, space to, to process things and quiet, whatever I'm going through in my mind and just process through it, you know, whereas, there's not all the extra input coming in that comes with the daily life. You know, you're just out there, just you and nature. You can just Um, kind of relax.
0: I love that. I love that. So, okay. Let's talk a bit about, uh, the, uh, the, the ranch, because I know you, you started up a ranch, uh, there just outside of, uh, near Houston in Texas. Um, next time I'm visiting my uncle in Houston, I'm going to have to come visit. Uh but um is that photo of your the photo that's behind you if you're watching this on video is that is that your ranch or is that not
1: Uh so those so with that uh those were my horses I had in Arkansas wow. Um I had land and horses in Arkansas um I moved down here in December uh to Texas was supposed to have access to land kind of got screwed over by another organization. Uh, But I mean, everything works out, right. Um, I was supposed to be going to Austin. Here I am in Houston. Um, Don't have land or horses of my own down here, but I work at a horse sanctuary that works with veterans and first responders and they are taking care of like on my retreats are taking care of the, the equine aspect. So the horse aspect, uh, which one less thing I have to worry about yeah, when I put on my retreats. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I get my horse time every day. <laughs> and wow, um, that's awesome. So I tell learned, us, tell a lot us from
0: sorry, Michael, I'm going to jump in there. Tell us about the, you know, what you do, what you've started up now to help rehabilitate, you know, veterans, and I believe also first responders in that as well, but it all started with the veterans. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what it is that you do um, and uh, yeah, how you do it. Just the details about it. I want to hear about it.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not where we will be. Um, the goal is to have, you know, a ranch where veterans and first responders uh, can come out and, you know, they can hang out with the horses. They can, you uh, you know, bond with the horses, have a horsemanship program for them to go through so they can learn horsemanship, um, actually have them work with um, rescue horses and rehabilitate them and get them ready for rehoming. Um, I also do retreats for veterans and first responders. So that's, that's all I have available right now are my healing retreats. Cool. So there are three-day um, camping retreats we go out, uh, we start with the equine interaction. Uh, we do some fun activities with horses, um, getting them familiar. Uh, maybe they never interacted with horses before, you know, teaching them a little bit about horses, doing a fun team building activity um, involving horses. And then we go out to the camp area. We camp for the rest of the time. Uh, we do other activities like hiking, kayaking, fishing. Uh, we do fireside chats where everybody can sit down and, you know, you can talk about those things, you know, with other people who get it right. Um, we're more apt to open up to a group of our peers than we are to, you know, anybody else. So we, there's that space around those fireside chats. Um, you know, you're also connecting with other vets and first responders and getting to build that community and, um, camaraderie um so yeah that's that's what we do with that um one day we get that money we'll we'll have a we'll have a ranch we'll have our own horsemanship program and um a place that veterans and first responders can come out to oh i
0: love that i love that michael um i know um i've got some of the details and stuff here so we'll put them into the description down below but just for those that are listening and that, or they want to just hear it, um, how does somebody get in touch with you to get onto or find out more information about these retreats to start with?
1: Yeah, you can just go on our website, and I'll give that to you to put in the in the show notes. Um, it's I've got two domains, and they're supposed to be linked, and for some reason they're not. So, uh, but love. it is. Um, it is, uh, I just had it redesigned and having some difficulties there with that. Uh, but with the new redesigned website, it makes it a lot easier. Um, yeah. you can actually go on and see the dates, uh, when we have events, okay. um, and you can register right there online. Um, if y'all do have questions, um, uh, you can email or give us a call and I'll be more than glad to talk to you about it. Um. If you're just like, yeah, that sounds awesome. You can just see when our events are. We've got a couple. I don't know when this will get put out, but we got an event here at the end of July, the last weekend. Uh, this one's going to be a four-day uh, retreat uh, with a special guest, Jennifer Tracy. And we're going to work. Uh, we're going to do all those fun activities, the horses, hiking, kayaking, fishing. And we're also going to work through one of her workbooks um, around hope. And, yeah, cool. you know, finding, finding your hope. Uh, so it's, that's going to be a really good event. It's open to 15 veterans or first responders. Um, Jennifer has been gracious enough to cover all the costs, but 150 bucks. So anybody that wants oh, wow. to come it's 150 bucks, sure, uh, which is like a 1500 $2,000, you know, retreat. And, and that's, that's pretty me. good. Yeah.
0: And oh, then I've got a week
1: long retreat. Yeah, we got a week long retreat coming up in Idaho, which is open to five veterans or first responders. Um, that one's going to be two thousand, uh, but we're going to do a lot of awesome stuff there. We're going to do some hiking, some fish, some fishing, some horseback riding, some work with horses, um, getting to live out on the ranch for a week and experience ranch life. Uh, a lot of awesome stuff that's going to happen in that time. Also, I, um, like a two-day reloading class on how to reload ammunition yourself, uh, which awesome. is pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be a really fun one. Again, that's only got five slots open on it. Uh, that one's going to be real small and intimate. Um, and then our regular retreats, um, cap them at 10 people, uh, to keep it nice and small, um, nice small groups. And then we'll, those will start up at the end of August, um, the dates are all on the website and those are $500 a person.
0: That's nothing. So, that's, not, that's, that's nothing. That's so.
1: nothing. It's not, uh, it's not, uh, it really, it, it costs a lot more to put them on, but, uh, you know, trying, trying to hook, hook up, you know, our brothers and sisters at yeah. a price that's like, okay, that's, it's not too bad.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. And we'll put all the details down in the description down uh, down below. Uh, so make sure you have a look at that um, to get into the that, um, the, uh, the the website and um, email uh, Michael on those. Uh, awesome, Michael. The last kind of question that I really have for you, uh, and I ask everybody this at the very end. What would be your top tip to self-happiness?
1: Man, top tip tip to self happiness you gotta love yourself uh if you're you're not happy with who you are you gotta find your way to that person um it's not a short easy thing it's takes work takes dedication um you know but like we're veterans and first responders like we know what it's like to work hard and have that dedication we dedicate it to our careers and Uh, why not put that into yourself, you know? And I, I always say, you know, you don't have to take huge steps, right? Like work on being 1% better each day. And then over a year, you're a completely different person. And, you know, if you can't love yourself, then you're not going to be
0: truly happy in life. No, nah, I love that. I love that, Michael. Well, thank you very much. Any last words that you want to add in before we wrap up?
1: Man, it's, it's a pleasure. I appreciate you having me on here, man.
0: No, nah, I, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate everything you're doing for, uh, for veterans and first responders and that. Um, those retreats sound amazing. And getting out in nature is the number one thing. My background, you know, I, I left the police because I was burned out. PTSD, had the depression, the anxiety, you know, everything that goes along with that. And uh, I bought a motorcycle and did two and a half months through the southwest of the US, went all the way to Houston and back to Northern California, 8,000 US miles, and uh, yeah, it was the single best thing that I, that I ever did because it brought me back in touch with, again, finding who I am and, and being happy with myself. So, totally, nature is, is, is the number one key. This is Fight the Burnout. So we bring you real life people, Uh, First responders, military, uh, those that are in the highest stress roles that you possibly can be in uh, where they literally put themselves second 99% of the time, sometimes 100% of the time. And we give you real life tools, real life experiences with this. Uh, Now, if you are somebody who wants to know more, wants to learn more, wants to grow more, then reach out to myself, uh, team at createfromwhy.com. Uh, And let's get you moving. Let's get you uh, creating the life that you want. Really getting to know who you are and being happy with that person. Uh, And that takes uh, practice. We run a 12-week group. And we also run some. uh, We're organizing at this time. We're organizing some motorcycle retreats. Uh, So getting out in that nature on motorcycles. And learning the tools to never burn out again. So uh, thank you for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe. Send this out to whoever it is that you feel could listen or could resonate with this and uh, make sure you hit up Michael because uh, he's doing some amazing stuff and I can't wait to see uh, one day him have his own ranch and, and run everything through that because that will just be uh, next level for him and also those that he serves. So thank you very much everybody and we will talk to you soon. We love you all.